Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Voyagers, this is the Voyagers of Tim Vetter podcast, episode number 55, Travis Riley of This Is Hell. Today is Thursday, April 12th, it's 5 a.m. Do you understand, like, what I go through, dear listener, to bring you this? It's 5 a.m. Are you up at 5 a.m.? I don't think so. Do you get it? The hours of sleep that are lost, the toil the blood that is shed to bring you this podcast. I feel like in 50,000 years when civilization has been completely wiped out in aliens land and all that's left is our digital footprint, they're going to listen to the voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. I mean, because they've subscribed on iTunes and left a rating and five-star review, even though I'm, I'm dead. You know, 
turned to dust a long time ago. But they've also supported through Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Voyages of Tim Vetter. But they're going to listen and they're going to understand what our culture was all about. And then they're going to erect a giant baby-faced podcaster monument with my likeness. And they're going to worship it. And they're going to find my dust particles and they're going to have the technology to bring me back to life. The only human that they let live and I'm going to continue to record podcasts for them. That's the sacrifice that I give for you. Do you appreciate it? No, of course you don't. You're selfish. Today's guest is Travis Riley. So first off, you heard two songs here right after my intro. That was Wreck Your Life off the demo, and then Bastards Still Remain off of the title of the, the record with the same title as the song name. Yeah, I got words at 5 a.m. Um, so something old and something new. Travis has been playing in bands um, for the last 20-ish years. We never knew each other before this, but we have some mutual friends. And I've been going to shows that his band has been playing for you know quite a while now. So uh, this was a cool one. It was cool to to reminisce and, and I love hearing about old shows. I love hearing about um, you know old times on on Long Island in New York, and uh, this was cool to think back to my 14, 15 year old self and some of the the early shows that I was going to that uh, Travis was playing. I'm going to play you another song right after this brief intro. That will be Scraps and Heart Attacks, Queen of Prussia. And then listen after the main conversation and you will hear one more This Is Hell song. I'm going to have show notes with the song titles and ways to check out the rest of This Is Hell's music and their merch and uh, Travis's uh, side hustle of uh, shirts that he does. Head over to my Instagram account, The Voyages of Tim V. As always, I'm going to do a giveaway um, either with music or shirts. So go check that out for this episode release and you'll see how you can easily get entered into the running to win some stuff. As I mentioned, join our alien friends. I don't know if they'll be our friends, but join the aliens and support this podcast through Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. It's a subscription-based uh, crowdfunding source and it uh, you could give 30 cents, you could give 50 cents, you could give a dollar, you could give $5. And all of that money goes back into the podcast so that I can continue to put these out. Uh, more frequently with cool guests and from different places around the world. If you can't give anything, hey, I love you just the same. Appreciate everybody that listens. Uh, you can also support the podcast by leaving a review, leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. That's where a lot of people get their metrics from, so uh, that would be a super, uh, super big help. Cool. Hope you enjoy this one. Oh, let me mention this real quick before I sign off here. I told you a while ago I'm going to stop doing some of these over the phone, but I lied. It's okay. I lie, you lie, we all lie. Um, sometimes you have to just because of the necessity of 
one person's in another state, one person's in another country, and I can't get to them at the moment. Um, in this case, we're actually just a couple neighborhoods apart, but Travis has real adult responsibilities that I don't have, like raising a little kiddo. Um, so we did this one over the phone, but hopefully we'll get to do another one sometime in the near future with some more stories, and we'll do that one in person. Okay, cool. Enjoy it, folks. first reach out to you, you were about to go to Japan. And since mm-hmm. I talk a whole lot of travel on here, I'm just curious about how your experiences in Japan were. It was amazing, man. It was my, uh, my first, well, I, I went once on, I had a layover there once for 12 hours. So I wouldn't really count that as a trip there. Cause I was like, I, I got to shoot into town quickly and it was cold and rainy. So it wasn't like, it was hardly, you know, a visit there, but this time I got to do a proper trip and, uh, it's crazy, man. It's like the best I've gotten to go to a lot of places touring over the years. And like, this is like hands down the best place I've ever been to. Just, um, I don't know. It's just from just everyone there is just so, you know, just so nice and everything's so efficient. Um, it's just a very, it's just a very cool, it's a very cool place. Um, I went, there was a big, uh, a big wrestling, like basically the, um, the big wrestling company over there is called New Japan and they're like, basically their version of WrestleMania is called Wrestle Kingdom and it's every January 4th. And, uh, so I had some friends going for it and I had a friend who worked, works for an airline that was able to get me like a cheap flight. So it just like worked out perfectly and just kind of popped over there for a week and it was amazing. Is that, does that compare differently to American wrestling in the WWE? Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like wrestling is very popular in Japan. Um, it's more, it's more like, um, they're more into the wrestling rather than like the, 
you know, the, the, the talking and stuff like that, you know, the promos and the, um, uh, drama, yeah, the too, drama like yeah. you know th- there is storylines and such but like when you go to a show it's just kind of like a match happens the match is finished and the next match starts you know like it's not there's no like somebody coming out there and talking for 20 minutes and like some bullshit you know it's just kind of like very very much about the wrestling um you know th- their th- their big show like i said that i went to it was at the tokyo dome it was like like fifty thousand people maybe but, you know, like on their normal shows, they're, you know, doing probably venues that hold 2,000 people to like, wow. you know, I don't know, to eight or 10,000 people on yeah. some bigger ones, you know. It's not it's not nearly as, you know, big as WWE is, you know. But uh, but it's really cool. It's, um, it's uh, I think, some of the best wrestlers in the world are probably in that company. Did you ever tour through Asia? Um, we, fuck, um, in 2013, I think, we toured Australia and New Zealand, and we had a Southeast Asia tour booked. Um, and the short version of the story is that we showed up to, I think, Singapore, and our guitar player's passport was full. And we got this like total dick um, that like wouldn't let him in because he didn't have anywhere to stamp his passport, and like literally like just made us like. And it was a it was like a Saturday I think so like he was like go back, you know oh just like go back to where we came from you know like basically wanted us to go back to I think we we I think sorry I think we landed in Singapore and we went to Indonesia and we had the problem in Indonesia and he was telling us to go back to Singapore. And then go to the American embassy and like get pages added. And like it was a Sunday or something. And like basically by the time we like, we'd have to like all go back to fucking Indonesia or Singapore. And then like the embassy would be closed. And we like basically, we would have missed probably two of like the oh, four shit. shows we were playing or something. Yeah. And at that point, we had already been, you know, on, you know, we've been out there for probably almost two weeks between like we did like Hawaii, Australia, and New Zealand. And we were all just like, fuck this. Like, like we just, we just changed our flights and we went home. It was such a bummer. Cause it was like, we had never been, we were supposed to do like Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore. Dude. Yeah. And, uh, somewhere else, I think. And this guy was just fucking such an asshole. Um, sorry, I'm going to just let my dog out while we're talking, but, um, yeah, it's all good. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, it was like a straight up, the dude was like a, like a villain from a movie. <laughs> he was like, he was just like, uh, you know, Oh, just go back. <laughs> like, Oh, just, just go back. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's just go. And, and we had to like go and like basically walk up to the counter and just like book flights. Yeah. Which obviously wasn't cheap. <laughs> yeah. Indonesia is like, like the spot too for touring bands in Southeast Asia. I went to, um, a couple of shows while I was there. And like it's there's a oh really there's like a pretty vibrant young thriving scene. It's pretty cool. Not to like shit yeah, on <laughs> shit um, on your parade there. The, the yeah, our friends uh, straight from the past, the Long Island guys. They're they're there right now in Southeast Asia. And I saw some photos oh, from their awesome. shows, and it looks fucking bonkers. All right, so I want to take your journey back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first. I was trying to think back. Uh, I do like a fair amount of research 
from my own memory and then from stuff online when I, when I have these conversations on here. And I was thinking back to like the early shows that I was going to on Long Island. So I grew up in Smithtown. Um, so, you know, obviously different County and I was going to like shows that I could get to easily with, without parents and stuff back then. Um, I, tell me if I'm wrong about this. I think, so your first band is the heist, right? Um, I had another band prior to that, but, uh, unless you saw like one of our like handful of shows, you know, it wasn't, uh, the heist was like the first band that was like, yeah, that I think probably, you know, people would have known. So I'm trying to think back and I think that I saw you, did you play at the Babylon Legion? Yeah, okay. we played. Um, did American Nightmare play? They play. They did play there, but I don't think that we played that that show. Um, See, then I'm I'm like mixing them up. Fuck. Uh, yeah, I, you know it's funny that there was you know there was a minute where they did a handful of shows there, and they're all a bit of a blur to me. Like they all blend together. Um, one of the one of the headliners was Midtown. Uh, and the other might have been the movie life. I don't know. Yeah, the the movie life. That's what I'm thinking. The movie life definitely played there. Um, and I'm like trying to think if fuck what was the I, I remember like the American Nightmare show was it was weird. It was like American Nightmare. Like the Nerve Agents were supposed to play, but they canceled. Um, but I think like I wonder if maybe the movie life show was the American Nightmare show. I think it was, and Hot Rod Circuit played. And the Impossible. Yeah, yeah, played. yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, what show did we play then? One I of mean, those... It would have made sense for us to play the movie life show, but I don't, I don't think we did. One of those throws had Overthrow I on do, it. I, what was it? One of those throws had Overthrow. Overthrow, yeah. I, know, I remember Burn and... Uh, I think Burn and Glassjaw did like there was like they did a that was the fest, the fest. yeah 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 I remember going to see Burn at that um, Shia Lud I think played one of those um, I'm usually fairly good with that shit too and I, I'm having a hard time thinking about the show that we played there but I but I but I remember I remember playing it I mean um, the, one of the stupidest reasons I, I remember who was on it. One of the stupidest reasons that I remember is you had the, <laughs> didn't you have the Naughty by Nature shirt? Like the, the band had the logo. That that was actually my, the other band, Falling Behind, it was called. Oh shit, yeah. So then. Oh, so, oh you know what? Maybe it was that. Maybe yeah, it, was, it had to be, it, yeah. Maybe it wasn't even a heist show. Maybe it was Falling Behind. No, yeah, that, totally. Yep. Yeah. How old were you back then <laughs> when you were playing? First starting. Um. What year was that? Too was it like two thousand and? Um, it would have been like two thousand one or two, probably one. Like nineteen, I think. Okay. Because I, I I was um. So I'm trying to do some math. I graduated in two thousand. I was seventeen. Yeah, cause, yeah, cause that, that makes sense. Cause I was, I think I was twenty-one when this is hell started, and that was two thousand and four. So yeah, I was probably like nineteen, I guess. 
So if, if, if people don't know, um, you also have a brother who has played in some, you know, pretty important Long Island bands, um, probably most notably the movie Life and Nightmare of You. Did he help get you into, you know, punk, hardcore and, and independent music? Yes, yeah, somewhat. We we had a um, we had a friend in in school who um, I, I guess he I think we had this a friend in school who took him and I to our first show together. I think. What was that? Um, it was um, it was VOD H two O Silent Majority and Cleanser at the PWAC in Lindenhurst, and I think it was in. 97 maybe 96 i think it was 97 um and that was a and he took us to that and then i think and we actually wound up like having a bit of a falling out with him i think not too long after but you know we like had other friends i guess that were going whatever going to shows and we you know wound up uh continuing to go to shows it was funny that that um my parents used to well we would take a but the fucking actually yeah, the PWAC was in Lindenhurst, but it was like really close to Wine Dance, and uh, we would take a bus to Wine Dance, and then walk down. Um, I forget what road it is, like Straight Path or yeah, Straight Path. Is, <laughs> um, to the to the venue, and go to the show, and then after the show, my parents would come pick us up because it was like. Wine dance is pretty gnarly. Like we wouldn't it's, like straight path gets take a bus home a little bit rough from there, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was actually going to ask about your parents, and if you know, uh, in in early childhood, like what records were playing at your house. It's funny. I was talking to somebody recently about this, and there's definitely, you know. Um, I think my brother wound up taking them at some point, but when we were younger, there was definitely Beatles records and like Zeppelin records. Um, but my parents weren't like super into music. I don't think like they must've been somewhat because it was records, you know, but it's not like, I don't, I don't remember like being a kid and like music being mm. playing in the house or anything, you know? And, um, once my brother started playing music, especially like, cause he played in like a couple of like hardcore bands and stuff before he played in the movie life, you know? Um, but especially once he started playing in the movie life, my mom definitely started, I think, you know, she'd watch like TRL and she would listen to like, you know, K rock and would like listen to his albums and shit like that, you know? Um, and she definitely got a bit more interested, I think, in just paying attention to music and like his peers and stuff. Um, but prior to that, you know, even like, you know, in the car, like, you know, the radio would be on, but it wasn't like they wouldn't be like tuning into anything in particular. My dad, especially like, you know, get in the car with him and like the radio would be on and whatever's on is on. It's not like he's scrolling through trying to find something he wants to listen to, you know? Yeah. Which is, I don't know, which is kind of weird because like I'm all like, you know, I take the train to work and I listen to music and like I listen to music at work and then like sitting around the house sometimes like just listening to music just seems like uh, it's something, it's just, it's weird to me like to not, uh, <coughs> to just like not, not, that not be a default, you know? So I don't know. You know, it's funny actually though, my grandfather was really into music. 
and we um, we grew up in Levittown, and uh, we there's a couple years I don't remember how long we'd be like four or five years we lived in the upstairs of my grandparents' house, and then we moved to our own house like you know five minutes away. But my grandfather would always be listening to music, like get headphones and listening to records or listening to like eight tracks, and he was like really into jazz. And there's definitely pictures of like my brother like sitting in the living room with him, like with headphones on, listening to music and stuff, you know. And um, so I guess maybe, you know, his interest in music could have probably come from my grandfather, because um, he was, the, you know, my brother was the one who was in bands first, and he plays an instrument and stuff, you know. I just kind of like yell into a microphone for my bands, you know. Like yeah. he was the one that kind of had the the, the talent, if you will, and, you know, kind of um, was the first one to do it. So you mentioned um, some Long Island bands like Salt Majority, um, VOD, uh, Glassjaw. You, so falling behind, I mean, I guess really all your bands are uh, a little a little bit faster, first of all. I think that some of the early music you were making was a little more of um, like a traditional hardcore sound where like Glass or, v- or VOD sound like pretty metal. Uh, what, who were the bands that you were drawing uh, early influences from? Yeah, it's interesting because like Long, Long Island has kind of always had its own thing and it was more no, like obviously VOD is a bit different, but like there were, Long Island was known for like being, for like melodic hardcore bands, you know? Yeah like Silent Majority in particular, like, you know, even like Movie Life and, and, and Glassjaw were like, you know, pretty melodic with the singing and stuff, you know? Um, so for us, it was like, I think that from, I think from my bands, we were more influenced by like the New York City bands, you know? Um, I don't know, I guess, you know, stuff like, you know, like the Cro-Mags, like the Gorilla Biscuits and the Sick, and Sick of It All and, agnostic front and kind of like stuff like that. Um, I don't know if we, you know, I don't think we really sounded like any of those bands per se, but we were definitely, you know, if we did like cover songs, we, we would cover like New York band, New York, New York city bands, you know? Um, and then I think, you know, as yeah, that was definitely like the early kind of, you know, influences like, uh, just kind of, um, I guess with falling behind, it was definitely, it was a bit more youth crew, you know, if you will, like side by side and like, I don't know, battery and, um, stuff like that. Um, I think the heist kind of started leaning a little more, um, you know, we were definitely influenced by like New York band, New York city bands, but like we were a bit faster, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Is that falling behind stuff online anywhere? I don't know. Would you not want I'm it sure to be? be. <laughs> what is that? Would you not want it to be, or probably not? It's probably. I mean, I'd say probably. It's definitely embarrassing. But I mean, but it's like, you know, I guess what you'd expect from like an eighteen-year-old or a bunch of eighteen-year-olds. You know, like um, I imagine it probably must exist somewhere in the world of the internet, but. I mean, it's like definitely not on Spotify or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't, I probably have maybe a, a demo CD or something laying around, but I don't know. 
I haven't even thought about that band in, in a really long time. Um, I like for, I like forget that like I had a band before the ice, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. In my recollection, like in, until you said the name, like I I hadn't heard that name of I hadn't heard of Falling Behind probably since that time. I was I would have been like fourteen. Yeah, it was a long ass time ago. Twenty fucking like twenty years ago, almost. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, the heist becomes scraps and heart attacks, and probably I mean I'm assuming obviously like the band that most people would know you from is This Is Hell. Uh, yeah. The I the demo seven inch came out in like two thousand one two thousand two ish, two thousand three ish four. Uh, yeah, yeah, two thousand and two or two thousand and three. My memory is bad with years, but I mean I know that this is all started in two thousand and four. So anything that we did was you know prior to that. So probably. Probably 2002, and then maybe like our album maybe came out in 2003. I don't know, roughly. The uh, hopefully this is a fair thing to say. The demo into the self-titled record carried, at least in my opinion, like a huge amount of hype with it. Um, I think that it was really well received, um, mm-hmm. and I wonder like. I'm not trying to to diminish hardcore and punk music, but I wonder, you know, I, you're not like a, a at least at, at that point in your life, too, like a, a Grammy performing type of a band or something like that. But I wonder, like, if there is pressure to survive that type of hype going from that into the next record, even for you know, like hardcore and punk bands. Like, did you did you feel that at all? No, I mean, I think the the seven inch was, I think, was pretty well received, you know, within the small community, right? You know, um, you know, we didn't we didn't tour, you know, until um, like the heist never toured. We didn't tour until we became scraps and heart attacks, and I think <coughs> I think when we toured, we had our, our full length out. Um, but no, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think I was probably so young and and whatever that like I didn't really even. You know, I think we were like probably surprised that we were even doing anything more than like a seven inch, you know. Um, but yeah, I remember people. Yeah, I remember like you know. I think it's funny. We actually played a. Um, we played a a, a release a, like a release show for our seven inch, um, and. Went, fuck, I don't remember if we played two shows the same weekend or we just went to a show the night before or something. I think there was like a, I want to say it was like maybe like a Killer Idol show or something like the night before. And I had the seven inches. So I was like, oh, I'm going to like try and sell some at this show. And like wound up selling like half, like half of them or something. Yeah. And be like, oh, fuck, I need to like save some of these for the actual record release show tomorrow. <laughs> um, but we had like, you know, record release covers for the like album. Or for the seven inches, the show was really cool. Uh, um, was that with Down to Nothing? It, no, it was um, the Suicide File um, at the Elks Lodge. The yeah, Port Jeff, I think. Port yeah, Jeff yeah, Elks Port Lodge. Jeff Station. Yeah. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be Ensign was was supposed to headline, and they had to cancel. So I, 
like ask the backup plan the day of if they would um, if they would play. So the backup plan wound up headlining. Um, it was them, Suicide File, us on the rise. And uh, do you remember that band Asia? Yes. I think they were Smithtown dudes. I think, or maybe that area. Atia, Asia, Atia. I can't remember they pronounced their name. Um. But yeah, that was the uh, that was the release show for the seven inch, and that, actually, that was the only. I think uh, I, I booked that show. I think I booked it through somebody who, you know, would would do the shows at that um, Elks Lodge or whatever. But it was the, I think it was the only time that the Suicide File ever came to play Long Island. Yeah, I, I had that written down. My memory is garbage. I, I had that written down as a Scraps and Heart Attack show. I thought that was a real long time. Ago. You know, you, you know what? It, it, it was. It was. I think it may have been our first show as Scraps and Heart Attacks. Oh, okay. We because you know what we did we released the seven inch as the heist, and then like right I think right at that time is when we changed the name. So we we had so th- there actually is there's like there's two different ver- there's two different versions of that seven inch. There's there's or there's more than two different versions, but there's co- there's covers out there that have the heist on it, and, and there's covers that have Scraps and Heart Attacks on it. Okay. <clears throat> the main the main pressing and cover of it is Scraps and Art Attacks, but then there's like other, ver- like a earlier version that has um, like sil- a silkscreen cover that says the heist on it. Through the evolution of music in Long Island and the venues that have come and gone, do you have a venue that was your favorite to play at? Um, You know, I guess selfishly speaking, like we had some cool shows at the downtown, mm. um, which like, you know, I don't think was like looked upon fondly by like hardcore kids. It's like a venue that they liked frequent, frequenting yeah, to frequent. But um, we had a couple of shows that were really good. Um, that venue, uh, Free Space, that was in... Um, by the train, was yeah. It, was, it, was it Ron Konkuma? Yes, sir. Yep. Um, we had a couple of really good shows there. That was a fun place to play. Um, that fucking uh, the J was it the JCC, the James Port Community Center. Yeah, was like super far out east. We had a couple of fun shows there, and then that other one, um, uh, Eastport VFW, yeah. was pretty cool. Um, uh, Eastport was pre. This is I don't think even this was hell played Eastport. I think that was just like heist shows maybe. Um, and I mean, I think that, you know, the, I think the TGIF sites and sounds in Farmingville, that was probably the most, like uh, the, probably like the longest standing venue, I think that I can remember that like consistently had shows and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, then there was that fucking local center was, was cool in Farmingdale while it lasted. Um. It's just, it's hard, I feel like it's hard to, uh, you know, venues are hard to come by and hard to keep. So there were so many over the years, but, um, but yeah, like I have certain shows here that stick out at certain venues, you know? I don't want to bore people not from Long Island, but this is fun for me going down uh, memory lane. There was, (laughs) there was a second Local 7 after that, right? Like a, like a different shape. There was a second one. Yeah. Uh, it was not, the second one was bigger. Yeah. Um. Where, well, I can't remember where that was. Was it still in Lindenhurst? 
I have no idea. I remember. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. It wasn't. Sorry, the second one was in. I think may have been at Lindenhurst. The first one was in Farmingdale. Um, I only, you know, I only went to the second one once. I think, and I never played there. I think that one was kind of short lived. And there was a fest at the first one that you played. Um, oh crap. Yeah, Rick. Rick from This Is Hell, um, or from Subterfuge at the time, he he booked the Walk Together, Rock Together. I think is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because it was the DVD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he did a couple of. Um, I think he did. He, he did. A, he he did the fest a couple of times. So I don't know if if only one one year was there, maybe. But um, yeah, I guess we. I think we played one of them. Yeah, we definitely did. I think because I think we were on the, the DVD. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, he is crazy. He fucking did like. Um, I think maybe like Thursday might have played. He had like My Chemical Romance played, I think, before they, I think they were under, they like had a different name before they changed to My Chemical Romance, like very early days for them. It was pretty crazy. The venue was cool. It was cool. It was like kind of sketchy. The owner guy was weird, but, um. Okay. So, uh, that guy Vince. Yeah. What was the deal with that? Like there were always like rumors about mob ties and that he got tossed down a flight of stairs and stuff like that. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, I never really booked shows there. Like I just had friends who were booking there and stuff. Uh, he just seemed like he was just a sketchy character, you know, that seemed like he was like always on Coke or something. Um, but yeah, it was like weird. Sometimes like there'd be a show and, you know, people would show up to load in and like the fucking building would be locked and he'd be like nowhere to be found, you know, like it was essentially just a fucking... It was this, like a storage unit, I think, or like a warehouse, you know, that we just built, they just built a stage in. Yeah. And like brought a PA in, you know? Yeah, it was definitely in but like... But it was cool. There was some cool stuff. There was some cool stuff there while, you know, it was there. Some cool touring bands came through and shit. Um, so I wanted to ask this. Your, your first, I guess, it's always weird, like, attributing some of these things again to like hardcore music, but... Um, you know, Trustkill at the time that you signed to them, that you signed to them was a, a bigger label, right? Uh, yeah, for yeah, definitely. Right, um, and I think that people into music that's independent or, or hardcore bands can be quite fickle, right? And uh, we could get into the why maybe, but. Um, as you guys evolved and you put out different records where the sound was evolving and um, touring with, you know, not local bands anymore and on different tour packages and things like that. Did you, did you find that, that, you know, people followed you on that journey or did you, do you think that uh, people were fickle? Whereas like, they're like, uh, I don't want to say the hype is wearing off because that sounds like derogatory towards like the music that you're making, but uh, no, I mean that's just that's people, just how it is. I think. Yeah. I think that hard, I think that hardcore. Is, I worded that horribly. Sorry. Is major like the majority of it is a young man's game, and like it's kind of like the your average kid who's in hardcore is only into it for a couple of years, and then they just kind of move on to the next thing. <clears throat> so I think that the you know their attention span is like like you're the fucking cool band for them for that for that you know six months or whatever and then something else comes along and then they're on to that you know 
So like for us, like we had a minute where like, I think when our first album came out on Trust Kill, like we, it was well received and like we were doing pretty well. And then like, you know, obviously not everyone, but like, I think the bulk of people moved on to something else, you know, um, whether they moved on to another band in hardcore or just like a different genre, you know, like, but I think that the nature of it is that, you know, hardcore in general is, is such a small scene, you know, um, in the grand scheme of things that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's definitely, it's definitely super fickle. I mean, you know, we, we were on, we were on trust kill at the same time that, that terror was. And like, you know, for some kids, they were like, thought it was lame that we were assigned to trust kill, but like, it was fine that terror was, you know, or like we would go and do a tour with, I don't know, fucking, you know, bring me the horizon or something. And like, it was lame that we were doing that, but then like terror, terror could like do a tour with like a mirror or something. And like, there's definitely been a bit of a double standard that in, that in hardcore that I never really understood. I mean, like if you want to break it down to simple terms, I mean, like we were definitely a bit of an easier target, you know, like we were just, some kids from Long Island, whereas like Terror had, you know, Scott who was in Buried Alive and previous bands and, you know, scary members in their band who like, you know, people are, aren't going to take them to task on anything, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, you know, even with, it was funny, I was talking to, um, to Mike who used to play bass for Crime and Stereo for, in, in the early days. And it was like, we, I feel like us, us and them kind of came up similar where we both started, we signed to, you know, um, our first releases were like on smaller labels and like we went to Trustkill, they went to Nitro and like, no matter what like they did, it was like, I felt like Long Island was like so proud of them and excited for them. And then like, no matter what we did, it was like, we were selling out or whatever, you know? And it was kind of like, it was just a really weird thing where you know, and we both kind of started off as hardcore bands, you know, and like they prog progressively got like more melodic and like rock. And we like, I think we got just more aggressive as we went along, but like we just could never do right, you know? Um, and Long Island was, it was like a bit of a roller coaster for us because like there were times where like it was really good for us. We'd have really good shows, you know? And then other times we would have shows and it was like felt like, you know, we were like on tour in a random place and nobody gave a shit, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I still, to this day, I don't, I can't really understand the, uh, the double standards and like what it is that makes people, you know, gravitate towards certain bands and, you know, kind of dismiss other bands. I think if I had to try to get into the psychology of that, I think I'm certainly guilty of it. Um, if you look at it through the perspective of a young person, right, who's, perspective and life experience is, is quite limited. Uh, at mm. least for me, like my entry into going to shows and things like that was, wow, like I found this thing that it fits me. Whereas like other aspects of life rejected me where like I, I used to play sports and then I didn't make the sports team and like social cliques are starting in middle school and high school and things like that. And for, you know, a lot of people coming into this type of music, like they were not the cool kids or they were the, the rejects or the weirdos or the whatever. Um, and so once they find this thing and they think, well, well, this is mine, you know, like I belong, it's, it's the thing where I fit. And if a band is being exposed to wider audiences 
and it, it sounds so silly now at, at 31 saying like different types of kids, right? Into different music and things like that, which my perspective now is like, yeah, that's great. Mm. Better audiences, like more reach, you can get your music out more. But for that kid, I think, who's entering it from like the, the outsider kind of perspective or the outcast perspective, it's like, oh, now these kids who were like shitting on me are into the thing that I'm into. And like now I'm going to kill that thing that I'm into because it, it, it's not yeah, yeah. It's not mine anymore. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. And there's definitely, you know, a bit of that, I'm sure. Um, and, but you know, there's always been that. There's always been bands that you know did similar stuff to us, and it was like cool when they did it, but when we did it, it, it wasn't. And it's like, fortunately, now it seems that that stuff is a lot more like accepted, you know, or at least it's, it's over the years it's become accepted. Because all it was, it was like we were just trying to turn people turn people on to you know a scene that we came from, um, and you know I, I don't I don't think that it's it shouldn't be like this little secret society you know you know like uh, like I don't know like why would you I don't know if you hear a band that you think is great like why would you not want to let other people know about it you know. Um, I get the being young and selfishly wanting it to be your band and, you know, you want the secret, you know? Um, but yeah, we always, you know, try to, to do diverse tours to kind of like, you know, let kids know, Hey, there's this other thing going on. That's really cool that, you know, you should check out. Um, and I think that we, you know, we kind of got shit for it, but it seems like now that's kind of like, what a lot of hardcore bands are doing, you know, are touring with, you know, different bands and just, you know, kind of, <clears throat> it's become definitely more of, um, more accepted to, I think, do stuff like that, you know, which is cool. Yeah, it's funny. I just, you know, wish it didn't take so long. It's funny because, again, if you, if you tie it back to, you know, your origins into music in the Long Island scene, the Long Island scene always had like a lot of like real like heavy moshy bands or, you know, a band like Scraps and Hard Attacks could play a show that had On the Might of Princes on it. And at least, again, these are old memories and through the perspective of a very young person, like there always seemed, at least at that time, to be a lot of support for the diversity that was coming out of Long Island. And it, and it wasn't weird to have those types of like mixed shows. Yeah, yeah, Long Island was definitely good about that. And even, you know, other places, it's, it's funny that saying what I just said, but, um, you know, a little, I'd say like maybe right when I got into hardcore or maybe a little before it, it definitely, there was, you know, fucking, you would see like, um, like a flyer for like a show at like, um, I'm trying to think of like an example, but like, you know, like Lifetime would be playing shows at like 108 or like Mouthpiece or fucking Harvest or, you know, like like there was like really heavy bands playing with melodic bands. Like there was definitely a lot of mixed bills going on in general. And then I guess the, the difference then though was all of the bands kind of all came from the hardcore scene or like they were, you know, in that realm. Whereas I guess later on, it was a bit more segregated, you know? Um, but Long Island in particular was really good about, I think, you know, like I said, the, your average Long Island hardcore band, it was typically melodic. Um, 
so that's why it wasn't weird, I think, for, you know, those bands to, to play together. Um, and, uh, but yeah, if you even look, yeah, if you look at show flyers from, you know, probably like 94 to like 98-ish, you know, like you would definitely see a lineup and you'd be like, whoa, like, that's really weird. Like even, you know, like Saves, saves the Day, like, you yeah. know, toured with Bane. Or you know, in like probably '98 or '99 or something, um, you know, they were label mates, so and you know, it made it made a bit of sense there. And saves the day, like you know, kind of comes from the, the dudes in the band were into hardcore and stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think at some point there was, you know, we're at a point now where like everything gets like subgenre to death, and there's just kind of like discussions on like, well, it, it, are they a hardcore band? Like just because like the people in the band come from the hardcore scene, does that make them a hardcore band? Just despite the, but they sound like, you know, which is like something that is, uh, I don't know, a band like title fight, you know, they are, you know, a bunch of kids who grew up like in the hardcore scene in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, like sonically though, they don't sound like what you would, what you, I guess, would traditionally think of when you hear a hardcore band, but like, does that not make them a hardcore band? You know, like it's kind of, you can probably subgenre it and argue it's death and it's just kind of silly. Yeah. Is the, is the lyrical content and also like the actual sound of Bastards Still Remain, is that touching on like what we're talking about now, sort of the look back on the, like, why didn't you come along for the whole ride type of thing? Yeah, there's, I think there's definitely some, um, some, I, I don't know if bitter is the right word, but like, just kind of like, what the fuck, you know, <laughs> going on in there. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think that there's some of that, uh, <clears throat> or, you know, just kind of like, yeah, I think, you know, or just kind of like we, we tried, you know, we tried to help out people and, you know, maybe the, the, the favor wasn't returned, you know, or just kind of like, yeah, stuff like that. Just kind of the double standards and, you know, shit like that for sure. So then what's the status of This Is Hell Now? Um, you know, we never broke up. Um, we haven't played a show in like five years, I think, you know, uh, bastards still remain. We put out two years ago. Um, it was funny. We like kind of stupid, but we, you know, we, we was coming up on the, the 10th anniversary of sundowning. And, uh, at the time we were like, you know, at the, like towards the tail end of the band, we were pretty burnt out on like the early stuff, you know? Cause like, we had, we had toured so much and we played it so much and we were doing a, a bit of a, a different sound, you know, we had, you know, two, two new, we put out a record in 2010 and 2011. So we had like two new albums, two newer stuff albums that we wanted to play songs off of. And like, you know, the bulk of our fan base, I think was just so stuck on sundowning and like wanted to hear that stuff. And we were just kind of like burnt on it, you know? that like when the sundowning 10th anniversary came around, we were just teasing shit and like, you know, basically leading people to believe that we were going to do like a 10 year anniversary tour or show or something, you know, but we were like, 
Rick had, Rick had all these like super short punk songs written and Rick was like, we should just fucking record this and release it on the anniversary of Sundowning. Just as kind of like, kind of a bit of a troll, I guess, if you will, you know, but, um, but just cause it was something where like, we have these songs and like, it'd be cool to do it, you know? Um, but, but yeah, so that came out like two years ago. Um, whenever people ask me about playing, I was kind of, I was just like, eh, the thought of like getting in a rehearsal space and like rehearsing and whatever is kind of pretty daunting to me. Um, but we've been talking, I don't know when this is going to air. So I don't know, you know, do you know when this is going to, yeah, this will be our latest Saturday afternoon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been, we've been taught, we've, we've been, we've been definitely more open to the idea of playing. Um, we don't have anything set in stone yet, but, um, there's definitely a, a good chance that, you know, we'll probably get it together before the year ends to maybe do a show. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like, I think, you know, I think me personally, I just needed, I definitely needed a break from, from it. Um, not just, not just like sundowning and stuff, but just kind of like just in general, you know, we, we did it for so long and we were so, we were, you know, we, we were a band. I mean, we're still a band, right. But I think when we kind of went on hiatus, we were, so we had been touring for nine years. We played over a thousand shows. So it was kind of just like, I need, I need, I need a break, you know? Um, and like once we ha- ha- we've had this break on, you know, it's like, it's like nice, you know, it's like not having to deal with the stresses of, of being in a, in an unsuccessful band. Um, and, but then like, you know, I'll, I'll go to shows and then sometimes like watching a show and I'm like, fuck, like I miss doing that, you know? Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, been away from it long enough now. I think that, um, you know, the idea of playing again seems fun. Mm. So, um, yeah, Rick and I have been talking a little bit about figure, trying to figure out a scenario that works. You know, um, you know, he 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 and the other two members of like the last incarnation of this is hell are playing in a band called Extinction AD, and you know, they're for all intents and purposes, they're like a full time band. You know, they don't tour a ton, but that like that's like their priority. You know. Um, so they're trying to figure out their summer and like they're trying to figure out their touring plans for the rest of rest of the year right now. And then once that's kind of like hammered out, then like maybe we can kind of take a peek at a calendar and say, Hey, maybe this would be a good time. Like this would be a time that would work for us to maybe get together to do a show. Um, but yeah, we're just kind of trying to figure it out. All right. I know it's getting late. I am like, we're, Oh, I'm sorry, Travis. Sorry. Go. No, no I-, I was saying that we were just kind of, we've always been open to playing, you know, if, if somebody came to us and was like, Hey, do you want to fucking, you know, I would definitely, definitely be more enticed to just to do cool stuff. Like if someone was like, Hey, you want to come to Hawaii to play a show? You know, it would be like, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know, I'm not like, we're like, you know, we're not going to pour or anything. Cause like, I'm, uh, you know, I just had a kid and I'm working a full-time job and stuff, you know? But if the opportunity arose to like pop over to Europe and play a couple of shows, like we, you know, it'd be cool. Awesome. Um, I was going to say, I wrote down a couple like goofy things I wanted to ask real quick, like quick hitters <laughs> before, uh, uh, before we go favorite. Cool. If so from your lifetime, like that you were able to see favorite New York Islander. 
funny, man. I um, as fan- as fanatical as I am about the Islanders, I o- I only started like so uh, when I was a kid. I watched, you know, was when actually uh, when I was a kid. For some reason, very early on, I-, I was a Devils fan. I don't know why. I think I liked their their like ugly um, <laughs> green and red jerseys, you know. And I loved like Ken Danico and Bobby Holik and shit. Um, but then then I like realized that like I'm from Long Island I have to I should be an Islanders fan you know my dad was an Islanders fan um so I watched a little bit when I was younger you know like when you know Pierre Turgeon like Benoit Hogue and like kind of that era um which I don't have tons of memories from but then like once I got into music I kind of like stopped paying attention to sports and then I don't remember if it was it was either Tom from Share from the Path or it might have actually been Johnny, who played bass for This Is Hell for a bit, he's a big Rangers fan, and maybe he was watching hockey on tour or something, and I kind of like it piqued my interest again. So I, I only started watching again like in 2010, I think. So I've only, you know, I've only been like kind of really super fanatical about it for like the last like eight, you know, seasons or so, which like isn't it's not nothing, but it's not like most people who have been watching it full on from a kid, you know. But I mean, it's probably like cliche, but like just fucking Matt Barzell right now is just like it's it's insane. Like he's gonna he's gonna win Rookie of the Year, and like he's just so he's so good. He's just like it's uh, he's definitely been like the highlight of this season, you know. Um, like prior to this season, um, I don't know. I. I I never really, I don't think I really had like a, like somebody who was like, oh, that's my guy, you know? Um, I bought it, but the first jersey I bought when I like got back into it, I bought a Matt Martin jersey. Of course, he got traded (laughs) Um, or didn't uh, resign, but, and then I bought an Andrews Lee jersey. Um, And then I I have three jerseys, uh, um, Matt Martin jersey, Andrews Lee jersey, and I bought a Josh Hosang jersey because I was like really psyched on him. And he wound up spending most of this year in in the AHL, but I think that hopefully he'll be up next year full time. Um, but between between like him, Barzell, and Anthony Beauvillier, those kind of like those three are like really exciting to me. Did you watch when Steve Webb played? Yeah, you know I almost brought him up. I was like I was like when I said Turgeon, He's an and animal. I was gonna mention Webb, and he was a fucking maniac. Yeah. He used to just destroy people. Um. He's one of the few players that I remember from that era. Next one is favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, it's funny. I have a very similar wrestling path as I do with just, you know, um, stop paying attention to anything else. So as a kid, you know, I watched wrestling and then same thing, maybe, uh, I don't know, 2000. 2008, maybe 2010, I got back into wrestling. Um, when I was a kid, Ultimate Warrior was my shit. Yeah. Um, I remember going to a house show at the Coliseum with my brother and my dad when we were little. And uh, the it was like getting late. My dad was like, I think there was like one match left or whatever. And my dad was like, do you guys want to get out of here? And we were like, no, like what if the Ultimate Warrior is next you know and like sure enough he was in the main event and we were like lost our minds um 
Man, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have. A, I don't think I really have an all-time favorite. You know, it's definitely guys that, you know, I appreciated over the years. But like, like when I was a kid, like Ultimate Warrior is definitely my favorite. Um, I don't really remember ever being a Hogan guy, <clears throat> or like Macho Man either. Um, you know, later on, I definitely always you know appreciated Shawn Michaels. Um, I always thought that Razor Ramon was was real good. Um, yeah, I don't know. If it's funny, because I feel like most people like have a go-to, like they're like, "Oh, that's my guy," you know. But yeah, I don't really have one. Does that excite you about fatherhood? Thinking like, "Hey, I'm going to be able to take you know my son one day to go see something like this." I did. T- I, I actually took him already to. Uh, uh, I took him to a house show at, at the Garden a couple months ago. That's awesome. Um, and he actually managed to like sit sit and watch for a little bit then he then he kind of got antsy you know but yeah but i'm psyched to bring him to uh when he's a little older bring him to you know like independent shows and stuff um you know he'll he'll sit on the couch and watch with me and i feel like he's i feel like he's i feel like he's soaking in it a little bit because he he's he's been rowdy lately you know and i feel like he's just kind of like watching and like mimicking you know i mean between that and hockey is like all i watch so i think he uh it's just getting, uh, he's getting aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I'll do, uh, I'll do one or two more. Um, yeah, whatever, there's no rush, man. Whatever you want to do is fine. All right, cool. Uh, so I know that you like, uh, music from a lot of different genres. So if you were to, to play a show, a dream show, let's say it's, it's like, it's you guys and like, you know, three or four other bands that are on the bill, uh, who would be playing it? Does it like have to make sense, or it's just no, not at thing all. Where like, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, o- Oasis are my favorite band, so I guess it, you know it, everybody. Everybody who was there for them would hate us because it doesn't make any sense, you know. But I'd probably have like Pantera on the bill too. Um, weird man it's like a lot of times where like i feel like i space out on bands where like there's like a handful of bands where like i i really enjoy like you know two or three albums from a band you know not necessarily maybe their whole discography um and like i forget you know but like oh like uh, when it comes to like heavy music i think pantera is kind of always my go-to for heavy bands and then like rock is oasis is like just my favorite band in general uh but yeah i'd probably like put in you know like some, something like Kid Dynamite, maybe, or like The Suicide File, something along those lines. Um, maybe, um, I don't know, I'd probably, like, I, I would definitely have to have, like, a classic New York hardcore band in there, maybe, like, probably, like, Leeway, maybe. Um yeah, and then I don't know. If I had to do like a Long Island band, probably be like Mind Never Matter or Glassjaw. So I know that favorites are hard. Favorites are are, are are a tough thing to think of sometimes. But so either f- your favorite show you remember attending, not playing, attending on Long Island, just because I like old stories, or like the first one that that comes to your mind as being really memorable. Like, oh my god, that was that was freaking awesome. Yeah, one that sticks out. Um, 
I think because it's like the first show I think that I like participated in, like uh, like my first time like stage diving or like whatever, you know. Um, it was at this venue called Detours um, that I don't think that they were, it was around very long. I can't even remember what town it was in now, but it was, it was Silent Majority, Kill Your Idols, Glass Jaw, Still Suit, uh, and maybe like one or two other bands. And I don't know. I think that one sticks out to me because it was, like I said, the first time, you know, I like the, like that first show that I mentioned, the VOD, VOD, uh, H2O silent majority cleanser show was like my first show. There was like a thousand people there and like, it was terrifying, you know, like VOD was like a fucking really big band at that time. And there was just like three pits going on. I was kind of like, holy shit, you know? So I think my, you know, the first couple of shows that I went to, I was definitely more of like a, um, a bystander kind of like in the back, like what the fuck's going on, you know? And then that, sh- that, you know, Silent Majority Glass Jaw Still Suit Kill Your Idol show was like the first time where I was like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to get involved, you know, and like had a good time at it, you know, so that one kind of always sticks out. What venue was that VOD show at? Yeah, it was this venue called the PWAC, which was People with AIDS Coalition. It was like a collective of sorts, I guess. Um, it was big. It was just this big warehouse in Lindenhurst that they did shows at and, uh, Early on, I think you know um, Rich Rich Jacovina from Silent Majority, their guitar player, him, and then Artie Philly, who sang in Millhouse. I think the two of them were the primary bookers there. They did all the shows there, but it was cool. It was like I, I only wound up seeing a, a couple of shows there because it, it wound up closing shortly after. Um, but like you know, I think I think Fugazi played there, like Avail played there, Siv, Sick of It All. Like there was like some pretty pretty big shows that, like I said, you know, it held, it held a thousand people probably, you That's know, crazy. Um, it was just this massive, massive warehouse of the stage. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my first, um, the first venue. Yeah. That I ever went to. And, uh, it, it was, I think it was actually, they were doing shows there and it like burnt down or something. And this was like the first show back after it had reopened. Um, and they had a small, they had a room, they had a small room on the side that they did smaller shows in as well. Um, which is funny because I remember, go- I remember going to like a small show on the side room to see like Warp Weeble Wobbles or something. And there was a rave going on <laughs> in the, in the main room. And at that, at that time, a lot of kids were into horror and, in, and into like, you know, um, techno, if you will, or like rave music, you know? So it wasn't uncommon for kids to like be like going back and forth between the shows, you know? So that was kind of an interesting thing about that venue. I'll give you one more favorite country to play in outside of the U.S. Um, fuck. Like I love Australia. Like Australia is like just fucking like heaven on earth. You know, it's just like beautiful weather. Like just the best looking people in the world, and you know. Um, but I mean, I think uh, we've had our best shows, I think, as far as like a band, probably like in, you know, like Germany or like we did a fest, we did a festival in Belgium called Gros Rock. And that may have been like one of our best shows, you know? Um, 
we have, we've had like one or two really good shows in London too. Um, but yeah, I think prob- probably like either, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe Germany. I don't know. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to say. Germany's really, Germany's really good for, for hardcore bands. Europe in general is pretty pretty good for hardcore bands, but Germany in particular, like we would go we would go like on a three week, a three week tour of Europe and like a good like seven to ten shows would be in Germany, you know. That's just kind of like it's big and that's kind of just where it's at, you know. Um, but yeah, that's you know, we never got a chance. Like we did, you know, obviously we did a bunch of stuff in Canada. But as far yeah, we never we never got to do Japan or like South America or Mexico. Um, but yeah, I guess I'd probably say somewhere in, in mainland Europe was probably best for us. And you guys got I mean, obviously you, you did a split, but you got pretty close with Cancer Bass through touring through Canada. Yeah, actually on our, our first ever tour we um, we played it we played in Canada and played I think two shows with them and it was kind of like you know at that point they had only played a couple of shows so we we wound up playing a handful of their first couple of shows um and we um it's funny we 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 broke our van broke down in Toronto and uh their their buddy put us up while our van was getting sick so we stayed with one of their friends who like we just met for like four or five days in Toronto while our van got fixed and uh just wound up becoming really close with those guys and, you know, wound up putting out a split with them and then touring with them like two or two or three times afterwards. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, we wound up playing, playing like two or three shows together, like on our first tour. Cool. Well, Travis, this was fun, man. I appreciate it. No worries, man. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry that it took us so long to, uh, or it took me so long to to get a, a you know a date. Um, I mean, good, at some man. point in time, if you would like to do a part two, I could definitely try to. Uh, yeah, we should do that. Make it in person, so it's no uh, technology issues and crying children and such. Yeah, it's all good. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah. I know you do shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's, like I guess yeah, there's. I mean, for the hockey people, if it's Islander fans. I do a, uh, a thing called New York Bootleg, which is uh, newyorkbootleg.com. And it's just like, you know, f- um, fan apparel, if you will. I just feel like a lot of, like, you know, the standard shit that the Islanders make is kind of like blah, you know? So it's just it's just fun, fun shirts that, you know, I think that people would enjoy are just kind of like less cheesy designs, you know? Um, so there's that, and then I do um, for the wrestling nerds. It's a similar situation where it's just like I'll do like some old, some older wrestler T-shirts, maybe some wrestlers who have passed away, um, some current ones too. Um, just kind of try to straddle the line of not getting a cease and desist from you know WWE and stuff. Um, but that's PrivateHellNYC.com. Uh, but yeah, I do those those two was kind of like my side hustle. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, I would say to check out Extinction AD, the dude's Miss Cell's current project. Uh, yeah, I think that's really it. Cool. I'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, this is hell has a band camp where you can buy music and you can listen to music. So I'll link to that too. 
Um, yeah, it's Bandcamp and obviously Spotify. All of our shit's like on Spotify for people who stream and shit. It's probably on Apple Music too, I would assume. Okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, people listening will already know, but I'm going to loop in a couple songs and stuff like that uh, throughout the episode. Cool. So um, awesome. Okay. Yeah! 